0: Did We Miss, the podcast where we explore our pop culture blind spots one episode at a time. Happy holidays, Tony.
1: Happy holidays, Matt.
0: We're here the day after Turkey Day, and we're mm-hmm. recording our holiday episode. And things are a little different this year, um, for obvious reasons that I don't, we I don't think we need to get into again. But um, nope. a yearly tradition for Meg and I uh, on Thanksgiving morning is... Um, I usually prepare whatever food we're going to bring with us to wherever we're going. And Meg likes to have the Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade on in the background, typically to st- just see Santa. <laughs> so she'll, mm-hmm. she'll pop in and out as she's getting ready, and we'll have it on in the background. This year, we didn't really go anywhere. So uh, we kind of want to see what they would do with the show, because they obviously weren't going to have a parade in person. And there are two ways to watch it. You can watch it on TV if you have cable TV or whatnot, um, but we don't. So I found that Verizon had on YouTube, like they were streaming their version of the show. And it has to be one of the most surreal shit shows that I've ever experienced from live television. It was insane because I don't know if they had access to the audio feed Because they would show basically, because there was no actual parade route, they just have each you know float or marchers or whatnot go in front of Macy's, do their shtick, and then kind of file out. But like for instance, there was one group of marchers that were playing with bagpipes, but there was no audio from the actual thing, so all you'd hear was this like incidental elevator music, kind of Christmassy plinkly stuff. And then you see these bagpipers marching, but they but the the other layer to that was they weren't actually playing as well, so they were miming it, so if you saw someone playing the drums, they were just like hovering over the drums so in addition to to miming their actions, they weren't literally playing anything there wasn't the there was incorrect music on top of that, and in between that, they'd show like close-ups of uh, like some of the floats and whatnot getting ready to perform, but like the audio would cut out. So you'd hear workers, like cameramen and and whatnot in the background. One time I heard someone say like, you had one job, (laughs) Um, which was amazing. And then it would cut to Mario Lopez at home with his family, talking about how great this was that they were able to do anything at all. And his little girl was there crying the whole time as if they were, like, <laughs> holding them captive. <laughs> it was so strange. And, like, half the time there was no audio. So, it, just, it would show, like, a float or something marching and and there'd just be no audio whatsoever. you just hear, like, maybe a couple of, like, faint people talking in the background. It was...
1: There's decades of parades. Yeah. Uh, countless um you know, gigantic celebrities. I'm sure plenty of hilarious gaffes. Mm-hmm. Like, just do a clip show. <laughs> like, no, no, no one needs to be like babs, bag sinking in front of a department <laughs> store.
0: Well, I, I talked to some people that watched it on TV, uh, like on Channel Ten or NBC or whatever, and they said that it was normal. That like oh yeah this is like the show it's just there was no audience or anything like that and you know they'd cut to Al Roker doing his Al Roker shtick, um, so I think it was just the Verizon broadcast it was the only way we had to watch it but we it was one of those things where we we weren't actively watching but you couldn't turn it off because it was so weird uh, it's yeah. just but it was like at something with on such a grand level like with so many people involved to shit the bed so badly it was just one of those things that was i don't know it's like you know it's it's kind of like one of those things where you you watch it and you're just like I'm glad that this exists even if it's extraordinarily bad <laughs> you know
1: right like that sounds like my worst nightmare because I don't like the parade in general yeah like even when I was a kid it was like yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I, I guess that Snoopy
0: balloon would be cooler if you were there.
1: <laughs> like, can we just watch like Charlie Brown or
0: something? So I forgot to mention, in addition, what they would, in addition to all this weirdness, they would have this thing that they called augmented reality. So they would have these CGI balloons that would just hover above them. So if it was like uh, an Irish marching band or whatnot, they'd have the Irish flags above them that were just would hover and just kind of float. And it was just so weird huh. looking because it didn't it didn't look good. You know, there's one float that had like a mermaid on it. So they had this really garish CGI mermaid just floating there and the camera like locked down on it for an inappropriately long amount of time where I was, I was just like, why aren't they cutting? I don't want to look at this anymore. This is, this is terrifying. I don't like the parade in general. I usually have it on for Meg, uh, and I think, like, like, again, around the holidays, like these traditions kind of take hold, and then maybe after sure. a while, you don't really question those traditions. It's just something that's there. Um, so, like, uh, like, along the lines of something like the Star Wars holiday special, where it's just so strange and singular. Mm-hmm. And it's awfulness that it's kind of interesting to watch in a way. Um, we watched there's like a new Lego holiday Star Wars special on Disney Plus, And it's it's really, really bad, but not in endearing ways like the other one is.
1: Yeah, I think I think there is. It's probably uh, I imagine just kind of lazy and just there to be there.
0: Yeah, exactly. There's just a lot of reference humor.
1: Yeah, as opposed to the Star Wars holiday special, which is like, I mean, talk about a square peg in a round hole. Like, yeah, it's just, I think that's, a lot of times with these holiday specials is, um, you know, those weird ones where like, this doesn't need a holiday special. This doesn't, you know, no one, no one needed Han Solo's take on Christmas. Yeah, yeah. But you know, like uh, I think I won my mom over to the Simpsons with a Christmas episode. So oh, nice. Um, yeah, yeah. The one where Bart shoplifts is, and it's one of my favorites in general too. But that's a great, a great Christmas one.
0: That's not the first one, right? Or is that the one where he shoplifts the video game?
1: That's yeah, the video game. I mean, the very first Simpsons was a Christmas special.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What was the name of the video game? Bone Storm. Bone Storm. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. like super violent, right?
1: Yeah, it's like a Mortal Kombat
0: kind yeah. Of game. Yeah. Oh man. Mm-hmm. Have, and I'll then have...
1: he ends up getting uh March gets him Lee Carvalho's putting challenge because the guy at the store told him it was great.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh, so good. Um what what do you look for in in like a holiday special? How does how do you add like a holiday classic to your annual holiday viewing or do you have you added anything new in the past few years or even the last decade or so
1: the bill murray christmas special on netflix that came out a few years ago um is one that we have revisited every year um yeah i I don't want to say i'm a curmudgeon i do i do like the holidays i don't particularly like christmas music though <laughs> um especially like ironic Christmas music, like Trans Siberian Orchestra drives me fucking crazy. Yeah, it's the worst. Like I don't yeah. In the same way that we don't need Han Solo and Princess Leia to weigh in on Christmas, I don't need shredding riffs for fucking jingle bells. Like it just I don't those are two two tastes that are uh debatedly great that do not taste <laughs> great together to me.
0: I've had family members in the past be like, Oh, you must love this because you like rock music. You play guitar. And I'm like, what are you talking about? This is some of the worst music ever made.
1: Yeah. Oh, but, um, but to talk about Christmas specials in particular, I don't know. I mean, growing up, you know, the, the standards kind of played every year and I, and I really liked them some more than others. Um, like how the Grinch stole Christmas and Rudolph and frosty, uh, the peanuts Christmas special is, is wonderful. But like, I mean, those were old when my parents were kids. (laughs) <laughs> you know, you know and <laughs> there um so i mean outside of muppet family christmas which maybe came out the year i was born or a couple years after um you know most of the christmas specials i watched every year were decades old um i can't think of any one from my youth that i've gone back to um I, I i'm like really like making an effort to think of one here i i honestly cannot <laughs> Huh. Yeah, I don't know. So I don't know. Like, It's also something I don't... I think for me, the holidays are so much about tradition and comfort and that, uh, you know, uh, especially now as an uh, adult and given this year, you know, uh, not having the option to go visit my family. Um, you know, it's sort of that comfort, like m- making you feel like a kid again. So for me, it's never about you know, what's a new Christmas special to add to the repertoire? It's, it's really like, oh, how do I like kind of get that warm, cozy sure. feeling again?
0: Yeah, I don't know if it's always about finding like a new thing as in, oh, Toy Story did like a Christmas short film or whatnot. Because uh, oftentimes I find the things that we're adding to our, uh, if not annual, at least, you know, semi-annual viewing Um, are are typically older things. We're discovering things that maybe weren't accessible to us when we were kids, um, where it just has a certain feeling to it that, oh, yeah, this is is kind of something I want to revisit. But I bring all this up because today's episode is about holiday specials. Uh, And we did something a little different today. We each separately chose two holiday specials, and we didn't tell each other. Because we figured we'd, we'd keep it a holiday surprise. It's like a gift. Yeah, to each other. And we're either going to make the case for for each other to, to go ahead and watch what we've each chosen, or maybe say, no, you could skip this one and, and look for something else. But we figured because there are so many holiday specials, and, and, and again, like, we grew, up, we grew up with the ones that were in constant rotation on TV. I remember every year it was like, "Oh, this is airing this night and this is airing this night and and you'd watch them all um, so they almost by default ended up becoming standards because that's all there was it was and sure. it was repeated every year
1: I will amend because I was speaking specifically about like holiday like specials that were on TV. I think the two biggest uh, I think the Home Alone movies were kind of like the big, like new, like I will revisit those pretty, re- especially the first one, pretty regularly. Sure. Uh, and Jingle All the Way, of course, is uh, good for an ironic rewatch every once
0: in a while. Um, Meg and I will watch the Muppet Christmas Carol every year, um, usually when we're setting oh, yeah. up our tree. I think it's um, legitimately great and not with any caveats. Uh, and it's probably the last Great classic Muppet thing to exist without, again, any kind of asterisks or things saying like, "Well, this part isn't so good." But um, it was the first thing after Jim Henson, and it's it's kind of has that sadness to it. But it works for Dickens and for Muppets, and it's it looks yeah. great. And Michael Caine gives an incredible performance; he's not kind of phoning in it at all. Um, so we we always we put that on every year.
1: Do you have is that?
0: Would you say that's your
1: favorite Christmas Carol?
0: Um, it's up there. It's definitely up there. Yeah. Um, I love the Muppets so much. Uh, and I think it, it nails the tone of the Muppets and, and of Charles Dickens, like I said, I, I used to, growing up my family, like my extended family loved the George C. Scott one, which I think was a okay. made for TV one. So that one was always on. So I could probably, there were some moments in that, that scarred me when I was a little kid that are just Mm -hmm. like some images that are burned into my brain.
1: Yeah, we were, we were, um, we were an Albert Finney uh, household. That one's still really, I I really uh, have, you know, when you're younger, sometimes those things are like, oh, okay, we're going to do Scrooge again, but, um, I've really come to appreciate it. Sorry. I derailed us.
0: No, no. Uh, it was, it was important to the conversation at hand. Uh, so, we figured we'd kind of go chronologically. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm going to reveal my first pick right now. And that is right. uh, the, Ju- the Judy Garland Christmas show from 1963. I would, I would not have guessed, but I'm not surprised. Um, <laughs> Meg and I love Judy Garland. Um, she's one of my favorite performers. Uh, so it just kind of felt natural for us to to watch this. I believe it was 63 where she had a TV show. It was the Judy Garland show. So this is an episode of that show. And the show started off, she swore up and down that she would never do television, but I think she was in um, a difficult position financially. Um, So she did this show for CBS. And, you know, reportedly there's a lot of behind the scenes uh, drama and, and a lot of problems getting this thing going. Some of it can be attributed to her substance abuse problems, uh, and she's supposedly a notoriously difficult person to work with. She's pretty fickle, um, mm-hmm. but you know, this was—it's um, pretty—it's kind of charming, yeah. While at the same time being uh, kind of sad <laughs> for a number yeah. of reasons. Uh, you know, she she died um, a good what six years after this. Uh, from substance abuse problems. But there's also this kind of feeling to the whole thing of obligation in some ways. Like you could tell that she's like, it's interesting. I've never seen anything quite like this. So the setup of the show is is basically, she's at home, home in quotes, because it's a studio. Uh, I think there's a live audience. Uh, it sounds, I mean, you know, they have the can chairing and all that stuff. So I assume that it was done in front of a live audience. Uh, And she's there with her two children, uh, Lorna and Joey. And it starts off with like, it's her and it's framed through a window and she sings them Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, which she um, is famous for singing in Meet Me in St. Louis, which, Mm -hmm. you know, it's become like a standard holiday song. But the original version from Meet Me in St. Louis is incredibly sad, uh, especially within the context of the movie. Uh, And even some of the original lyrics, which they had to change were, have yourself a merry little Christmas. Um, This may be your last. Uh, (laughs) Which is pretty dark for a movie from 1943. Uh, And the lyrics got changed and it became really, really popular because of Frank Sinatra recording a version for his Christmas record. Uh, But it was always, it always belonged to Judy, at least to me, (laughs) it belongs to Judy. Uh, So it, it opens with that. And she's singing it to her two little kids. And they're, they're really young. I think Joey is maybe 10 or so, and Lorna is probably 13 or 14. Uh, uh, and then, um, you know, it shows the set, which is kind of like a something you'd see out of Mad Men now, <laughs> you know, where it's just like several tiers. Uh, it's wide open uh, so they could traverse the set. And the premise of the show really is people show up and then they kind of sing. And there's really no plot. It's just, let's just have a... Let's just use this as a as a means to to perform. So Liza shows up with uh, I. They say it's her boyfriend, but <laughs> who knows? It's, it's not someone I know. Um, it's not a name I'm familiar with. Uh, Tracy Everett. Yeah, I don't I don't know who he is. Um, but they basically per- perform throughout the set. Um, Mel Torme shows shows up. Um, they do a bunch of standards, Christmas standards. They do some of stuff. From Judy's repertoire they do some things from other musicals like Oklahoma like they start off with uh, concerti- <laughs> did they what? put like a Christmas no spin sorry on sorry, sorry sorry not Oklahoma sorry <laughs> Oliver <laughs> they do Oliver <laughs> sorry they uh but they do consider yourself uh which is uh, from Oliver and it's funny because Joey isn't You could tell, like maybe, didn't get the talents of his his siblings, so he's not much (laughs) of a singer. Uh, But he—it's cute enough. But there are moments where you could generally see that Judy is uncomfortable. Uh, And there's a moment where Mel Torme shows up, and he's like, "I'm going to perform a song, and I want you to sing it with me." It's one of his songs, and she kind of changes the words, and then he kind of says under his breath, "He's like almost." Uh, and then she kind of gives him like a like a like a glare and then she changes the words again in order to kind of fuck with him uh so there's a bit of that in the margins of the whole thing of uh, like these reservations of like oh man i can't believe i have to do this
1: but isn't that i mean i feel like the the sort of the contrivance of either getting a bunch of people to your place or showing up somewhere else where a bunch of people are going to come and go anyway like that's like that's like that checks one box of like the sort of classic holiday Mm -hmm. variety show um but then this like this kind of like banter and like ribbing uh, kind of like uh you know kind of poking holes in the personalities that's also kind of like a staple but like but you're saying that maybe maybe judy actually is kind of like simmering below the surface yes
0: oh it's definitely like there are moments where like there's a moment towards the end when everyone leaves uh and it's just the two little kids and they go you can hear them from the background go mommy and she goes what and it's a it's a what that's kind of like like oh these fucking kids like not realizing she's (laughs) performing And then they come out and they're just like, oh, what's that, Dears? You know, like she's course corrects. So you could tell that it's like, I don't know. I don't think it was live, but it's, uh, you know, there's definitely some weirdness to the whole thing. You could tell that Liza's not entirely excited to be there. But one thing about Judy Garland that I've consistently read is no matter how many problems um, she was having or, or difficulties there were, getting her to set. Once she was performing, she performed. So like, there may be some sadness to when she sings Somewhere Over the Rainbow, but she's performing. Like she is a consummate performer and a professional in those moments. So Mm -hmm. um, like, I don't know. It takes on this other quality because you know the tragedy of her life. And, and what was happening to her at this time and her kids are there um and you could hear that reservation in her voice um so it kind of I don't know and and, and maybe this is just me in particular, but I, there's a part of the holidays that is sad there's that bittersweet nature to a lot of this stuff so i I thought yeah. that was interesting to see that in this
1: yeah you know and i th- I think that sadness is I would say, integral to the holidays. You know, I think, I think there's a component of, you know, looking back on who might not be at the table anymore or, um, you know, it's the end of the year and maybe, and maybe you're just kind of exhausted and maybe it was a rough year or something. I think it's, I think taking those moments to sort of reflect are important. I think it would, uh, Maybe if there was a bit of sadness to the Fourth of July, I'd look more forward to it. But It just feels like an excuse to get drunk and eat too much. I mean, like, yeah, I need a little more than that. I need to. I need to get drunk with a purpose. Um, so, do you? I mean, a lot of. I know your affection for Judy kind of colors this, but do you think this is? Uh, do you think this is something worth uh, checking out uh, for someone like me who has not, certainly not seen this?
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you're, I, I think the barrier, uh, to entryway is, um, your tolerance for that sort of old style song and dance, uh, put it on a show kind of thing. If if you if you like that stuff, if you don't mind that, I know you said up front that you don't like Christmas music, um, but this is like that definitely, you know, show tune, big band kind of Christmas music, and this is the stuff I like. Mm -hmm. I, I the Christmas music that we typically listen to is. 40s Christmas music 40s 50s
1: yeah you're not going to get like a Dominic the Christmas donkey in there right
0: no (laughs) so like I think it's charming in that regard and like I said like the cultural aspect of it or the um the anthropological aspect of (laughs) uh, of kind of seeing like this this moment in time and how weird some of it is and disconnected the version we watched was on YouTube so you know it's Mm -hmm. anyone could watch it uh, and, and the commercials were still in there, which were great. Uh, there is, it is for this product called contact, which is like a pill. And I think it's supposed to almost like a vitamin kind of thing to help you when you're sick or whatnot. But there was one, um, commercial for contact that was stop motion wizard of Oz. Uh, so it had the tin uh, man and scarecrow and the cowardly lion, but it was like, they looked like the illustrations from the original book. So that's kind of, oh, cool. that's pretty cool. Uh, and then it was just like, thank you for watching part one of the Judy Garland Christmas show brought to you by blah, 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 you know, brought to you by contact. Mm-hmm. And then the second half came <laughs> and brought to you by... uh up so more cigarettes. Yeah. If there was a cigarette ad. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't remember the brand. Pal something. I don't know. No. Palmol. Yeah. I think that was it, uh, which was kind of weird. It's it just like the refreshing. I'm like, there's cigarettes are refreshing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you ever see those old cigarette ads with
1: Fred Flintstone and Barney Rubble? I think so. (laughs) That's so weird. So weird. That's actually my favorite way to revisit the holiday specials from when I was a kid was to pull them up on YouTube. Um we were texting back and forth about uh, Muppet family Christmas and like mm. all the Oshkosh bagosh commercials. But then like at the yeah. end, as the credits start to roll, there's like coming up tonight of the news on 11 and it's like, <laughs> these go from like the Muppets having Christmas and big bird shows up and the fraggles. So some guy being like this gruesome murder <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> like the, the whiplash you get is pretty uh, shocking, but uh, it's
0: uh, it's, it's sort of become like a,
1: it's added to the tradition. I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, there is something charming about that. It's a form of time travel, like because yeah. it's within the context of the show. Uh, we, we, there's all these conversations around movies and television and art saying, like, is this timeless? And sometimes, uh, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, about how sometimes that misses the point. And sometimes it's really great to revisit something that is tied to a specific time and mm-hmm. to try and uh, understand it's reason for being. Um, So in that regard, yeah, I think this is interesting again. Like, you know, it depends on, this is chock a block with songs. Like it's just song after song, after song. There's two times where these Santas run in, there's like six Santas and they're, they're, they're really skinny Santas, but they wear these suits that are really big, almost triangular. And they do like kind of rocket moves and they're dancing around the stage. And at the end, Judy joins them. They come back in the second time, and Judy joins them. And it's kind of slapdash. They're like, not great. But I think that's part of the charm of it. It was just like... Because I think when you're watching the whole show, part of it is supposed to feel like, hey, they're just they're hanging out. So this just mm-hmm. happened. Like, this is spontaneous, everybody. You know, these Santas just ran in. Uh, and at the end, like towards the back half, like a bunch of carols show up at the door, and Judy's like, why don't you come in? And it's just like... 30 people hanging out and then they all start singing Christmas carols and whatnot. And, um, it's pretty charming. Yeah, like the whole, uh, the, the, the medley
1: at the end of the special is kind of a, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. And, and it's, I think it's the type of thing too, that's perfect for, you know, having on in the background while you're wrapping presents or setting up a tree or cooking or whatnot. And, uh, I I think that's a a good context for it. Although again, like the specificities of her demeanor are are really, you really have to pay attention in order to kind of see that she's sort of put off by some of this or frustrated or it's kind of like, ah, all right. Okay. We're doing this now, which is, I don't know. It's interesting. Did did Judy just call Joey a motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you little shit. You're going to sing and you're going to like it. <laughs> yeah. I know you don't have talent. <laughs> Not like your older sister. It is cool to see like a really, really young Liza too. Because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we did an episode on the Best Picture Oscar nominees from 1972. And in that we covered Cabaret. So we talked a lot about Liza in that episode. And, um, this was you know ten years prior, so um yeah she's she's probably like in her uh late teens, early twenties, and um cool so uh and she's you know, she's a performer, you know, you could tell she's like, I grew up around this, and this is what I do, and which is another interesting facet uh to to kind of see like that that child that was just born into to performance, uh much like Judy because she yes. Her parents uh, were vaudeville performers, and when she was little, she they were like, "Okay, you're performing." She was really, really young, and then everyone was just like, "Oh my God, this this little kid has this monster voice. She's incredible." Um, and that you know transitioned into doing movies, and also transitioned into um, a life of um, dependency on a lot of drugs and alcohol. And you know, I do want to give context for that because I don't. Part of this is because when she was young, um, Louis B. Mayer, who is a head of MGM, who signed her, was like, oh, you got a great voice, kid, but you're kind of funny looking and you're a little fat, which is really sad uh, because she's... Oh, so what
1: do you like get her hooked on diet pills or something?
0: Yeah. So they forced her into diet pills. And, um, you know, it's an industry that kind of supports this kind of this behavior uh, and enables her, and then makes it worse, and then they turn on her as soon as she needs help, and she becomes "quote unquote" difficult. Um, it's just, so it's a, it really is a, a tragic story. Uh, especially, you know, she had a lot of love for her kids, so uh, part of that sadness permeates this. Where you know how it kind of you know how it ends. So yeah, it is a tragedy, and 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 I think when you hear about stories about you know difficult. People to work with sometimes we don't know the full story you know right um but on that happy note let's move on (laughs) to your let's let's move on to your first uh special all right
1: so mine is from 1974 and i expect that mm, you've seen this uh i feel like i'm i wouldn't uh, this is this is one i did not watch as a kid but know a lot of people had a a fondness for so this is um The Rankin Bass stop motion special, "The Year Without a Santa Claus."
0: Oh, I love this one! Yeah, I love this one. Yeah.
1: Oh, I am so sorry. (laughs) I (laughs) I did not. (laughs) This is not top tier Rankin Bass for me. Um, I
0: haven't watched it in a long time. I do know, like, like for me, there is this sort of context of heat miser, snow miser, um, that my family, for whatever reason, just really took to. We would talk talk about around the holidays and those songs in particular, the Heat Miser, Snow Miser songs, um really stick See, out. I
1: thought I thought it was gonna be more about them. Yeah. And they're barely in it. And then no. so I mean the, the the idea is that um Santa Claus is sick and like he's taking the one the one year off. Like dude's never got a break. He's just like Mrs. Claus is like you stay in. Don't worry about it. Um, and like the beginning, I I really liked like, um, like, like there's a song at the beginning and one of the lines is, and the children, they cried. They thought Santa had died. Um, (laughs) there's like Santa getting all this bad press. There's like the spinning newspapers. And, um, it's like, uh, the headline is Santa too tired. Like he's being (laughs) a diva or something. And then, uh, but then Mrs. Claus has this big song where she, um, you know, she puts on the coat and she's like, "Oh, maybe I can be Santa. I'll just put a pillow under and like, no one will get close enough to see that I'm not really Santa. And it'll be fine." And then like, two elves who've probably worked for her for years are like, "Mrs. Claus, what are you doing in that suit?" And she's like, "Ah, fuck it. It's not gonna work." <laughs> <laughs> she, she gave up so quickly, and I was like, "Oh, this is actually pretty cool. Like Mrs. Claus is gonna take over and fight the heat miser or whatever." And um, and that's not what happened. It just turned into like this weird. Those two elves. Why did they go out into
0: the world? What were they doing? I can't remember. Didn't they need to? They, they, they need to convince. Isn't isn't there some sort of? Oh, that's
1: that. There's a lack of Christmas spirit. I, it always comes back to this, like lack of a quantifiable Christmas spirit. Uh, so they went to they they were trying to get. Yeah, no one like believed in Santa anymore. So they were trying to like they wanted to make it winter in the south. Yeah, that that's what it was. Uh, Southtown. Yeah, Southtown, USA, where everybody <laughs> looks like they're dressed to go on a riverboat. <laughs> um, I do like. I do really appreciate this sort of commitment to like the all of the Rankin Bass Christmas specials, um, excluding like Little Drummer Boy, which are about Jesus and have some sort of like um, you know attempt at like. Uh, continuity to time and place <laughs> yeah uh the rest of them exist in like this sort of like nondescript early 20th century but with like late 18th century attire um yeah i just i i i uh i thought the heat miser and the snow miser were going to be a bigger part of it so i was very disappointed when they're not in it that much no they each um, get a number they just get a number. Um, I, I like I said. I did really like the beginning and sort of the 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 idea of Mrs. Claus taking over, and then it just jettisoned it immediately. And I was like, not in 2020, man. I haven't watched.
0: <laughs> I haven't watched it in a while. So what's the resolution? Like, who ends up delivering the toys? Ah, uh, geez. What does end up? <laughs> I was. Re- <laughs> um.
1: Okay, so yeah, this Heat Miser and this and Snow Miser are bickering. So then they have to go appeal to Mother Nature, their mom, to get her to sort of
0: calm them down. But that part's um, that part's really funny cuz they're like, "Come on, mom." Like yeah. they're all like pleading to her to for for each of their individual causes, and she's just like, "You two mm-hmm. just got to get along."
1: And then the and then kids send Santa presents. And there's uh, actually like, a really yeah. um, There's a really sweet version of Blue Christmas at the end, which is really, really nice. But uh, yeah, it's just, it feels long. It feels, I think without like having, so uh, Rudolph and uh, Santa Claus is Coming to Town and Frosty are all anchored by these sort of staple Christmas carols. Um, And sure, it's fun to build a world around Rudolph where, you know, he's got like his dickish high school coach <laughs> won't <laughs> let him on the team and like um and uh and Hermie and uh Yukon Cornelius are like fun characters to sort of add into that so for me like this was completely like independent of any i guess narrative you already have um and sometimes it would works and sometimes it doesn't um yeah uh, jingle and jangle were you know fine uh I don't, I don't know, if the, you know. I think the elves and Rudolph were more charming. Yeah, oh, for sure. Um, yeah, it just it it didn't strike me as memorable as um, the Rankin Bass specials that I had seen.
0: You know, I think that's consistent with the public perception of it. I don't, I don't think this is like mm-hmm. people don't talk about this in the same way they talk about Rudolph. I think it's just become almost, not a cult classic, but I do think that people that maybe that grew up with it have affection for it. I think this is my dad's favorite because he always loved Heat Miser and Snow Miser. And yeah, there's not much of them. But I think that song we kind of sing as a family, oddly enough, like we just kind of bring it up. I'm Mr. Heat Miser. And I love the little (laughs) miniature Heat Misers and Snow Misers that would pop up to do the dance number with them. So they're like in a line. And they're just like a quarter of his size, and they're doing like dance moves together. <laughs> and And I, what I like about a lot of these ranking bass specials is their commitment to just like go for broke weirdness. They're just like, ah, fuck it. We did Rudolph. that's a, that's a standard. Let's, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, the personification of heat and cold. We'll, we'll just make them characters, you know, like sure.
1: or if, or even in Rudolph, like when they go to the island of Misfit toys and like, okay, that like that tracks, like it's not weird enough. Let's have a flying lion who's their king. Um, you know, <laughs> sort of adding <laughs> yeah. in elements yeah. that don't necessarily need to be there, and sometimes they work, and sometimes they don't. the The ballads in these specials really, really slow things down. Like in Rudolph, yeah. Clarice has that one song that just seems to go yeah. on forever, and in this there's one,
0: there's always tomorrow for dreams, yeah, of love. yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, and in this one, it's uh, it's the dad convincing his kid that Santa's real. But it's just, like, really long and maudlin and did not like it. So you didn't like it at all? Uh, not, not particularly, no. But, you know, and uh, looking at what I wish I had done, because this sounds bananas, is they made a live-action one in 2006. What? Uh, they made a live-action remake that was on NBC. Uh, John Goodman was Santa. Michael McKean was the Snow Miser. And Harvey Fierstein was the Heat Miser. Get out of here yeah that sounds that sounds probably uh just as bad maybe more
0: yeah just as bad um oh i'm gonna have to watch that now
1: yeah Ooh, hold on cameos who else was in it nah nobody interesting <laughs> someone is credited as nerd elf
0: get those nerd elves out of here nerds chris katan was in it he wasn't the nerd elf no he was not
1: <laughs> so yeah I, you know and I'm always surprised by how many specials they made. Like on the, I, I got the DVD from the library. Um, there's a sequel to Rudolph. Yeah, it's not very good. There's like Sammy the long-eared donkey. Yeah, that one's I'm like, I. It's weird. Yeah, I'm not. I don't. I'm not gonna watch that. Yeah, you we've already established I have no patience for Dominic the Christmas donkey. I'm not gonna <laughs> give other donkeys a chance.
0: Yeah, you're a very anti-donkey. Yeah.
1: Very anti-donkey. Yeah, (laughs) anti donk.
0: What's so? What do you have left? Is it um, um, the Life and Times of Santa Claus? Because that one is a personal favorite. Although I can imagine you're not going to like it too, because they're all kind of even Rudolph. You know, they're they're a little bit drawn out, and there's some moments that Mm -hmm. aren't that not everything works in all of them. And I just think I love the weirdness of um, the Life and Times of Santa Claus, um, based off of the L. Frank Baum book. Uh, that was my favorite from the kid because it had like this deep mythology of the beginning of time and these things that are the gods that kind of rule over time and they're 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 like oh are we gonna allow Santa to become immortal to sure. continue this great cause and I was just like I love this. You know, <laughs> Santa was born of the armpit of primordial chaos. And- <laughs> no, see, he was a human and but he's better than most humans because he strives for greatness. He's like Superman yeah. in that way, you know. Or, I mean, you know, we talked about
1: Santa Claus the movie last year, um, which is sort of that same idea of the mythology around these Christmas characters is so finite. You know, Rudolph's got a song. You know, three verses, that's it. You, there's really not a whole lot else to say, but yeah. But did it. you know let's about do, the dentist? Let's do an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or uh, or the prospector who who uh pulled all the t- help pull the teeth out of a snow monster, Bumbles Bounce. Um, yeah, or the wizard who helped Santa get his powers when he was a young kid.
0: Yeah, I mean, these things are, are ridiculous when we talk about them, but some of those things. Are just kind of like so quotable in a lot of ways that we just like around the holidays, just they come up in casual conversation. Bumble's bouts. Sure. Hermes doesn't. Hermes doesn't like to make toys, you know. Or, yeah, or one foot in front or, of the other. I'm cute. I'm cute. Like you know, that's something that's entered into our lexicon it's from Rudolph. So sometimes sure. it doesn't necessarily mean that the 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 whole thing is is fantastic. Although I would argue, and this isn't rank and bass, but I would argue that the entirety of The Grinch Stole Christmas is is perfect.
1: Yeah, well, uh, Rankin and Bass are certainly no Chuck Jones. I mean, because that could have been, you know, there's a world where they didn't get an animator of that caliber to do something like that. True. And, uh, you know, as it is, it's not, there's not a, but that doesn't overstate its welcome either. Like, there's not a lot to the book, you know? So just like doing that, doing it well, get in, get out, get someone like Chuck Jones who can
0: direct the shit out of it. How, how long is um, the year without a Santa Claus? Was it an hour? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's an hour. So without like commercial breaks to sort
1: of get up and... <laughs>
0: Did you watch it on YouTube and were there any... No, I watched it on DVD. Oh, yeah, yeah. You just said that. I'm sorry.
1: Um, so, yeah. So I think... But like to your point about these sort of... You know, these sort of... These things that become part of our language around the holidays. You know, I knew the, the Heat Miser and when... Be- i think because i knew that song
0: having not seen the special and then like it's just such a small piece of it and it was um, just like a real life version of the meme of leonardo dicaprio pointing at the screen mm-hmm. was that you <laughs> you're like yes that's the heat <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> one thing just
1: because you mentioned the grinch and i think I mean that's a, a rightfully a classic, but do you remember in the '90s, like TNT or TBS did a um, a making up special of How the Grinch Stole Christmas that no. was hosted by Phil Hartman? No, that sounds oh. awesome. Oh, it's it's great because you know they they do a lot of like cool behind the scenes stuff, and then when he's talking about how Boris Karloff really like brought the Grinch to life, um, it's Phil Hartman. So why not have him do like impressions? So he he's like, uh, you know, the, the Grinch wouldn't have worked with anybody else. Like what if Charlton Heston did it? And he <laughs> does, um, I think it is Charlton Heston. And I, th- he might do, he might do Frank Sinatra, like, you know, a couple of the, like the big celebrities he was known for doing yeah. in SNL. Um, but he's got like a tuxedo and he's got like an Errol Flynn mustache and his hair is slicked back. And like, it's, just, it's such a great, like oddly, it's such an oddly great example of what Phil Hartman was really good at. Um, I mean, it's basically like Troy McClure doing the Simpsons 138th episode spectacular, but for something real. That's
0: awesome. I have to. I have to see that now.
1: Yeah, it's great. Um, so sorry to dunk all over. <laughs> oh no, no, <laughs> no! no.
0: I, I, my affection for it, I think, is again tied to my family and nostalgia. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen it in quite a few years. Um, yeah, I, I like those songs. I like the Heat Miser songs and the Snow Miser mm-hmm. song. I, I can understand why it's probably not up there with the the best of the Rankin Bass. I do think, even at their worst, there's a charm to the to the stop motion animation. They're always cool to look at. I mean, I wish there was oh, more sure. of that sort of homemade. I'm mean, homemade in quotes because obviously, like they probably had a pretty good budget. Um, but I wish there was more of that kind of low key charm in modern stuff because everything just feels so slick when you see like newer newer an- holiday specials that are aiming to be you know, classics, I guess. There's, like, a trying-too-hard element to it.
1: I get that, and I think the sort of the lo-fi charm of stop-motion, like, you can't get that with something else. Um, You you think of, like, um, uh, computer-animated specials from the 90s, and, like, those don't look charming. (laughs) They just look bad. (laughs) Because, you know, I mean, it was a technology that was so new, and, like, you know, there's something fascinating about the california that's so weird that
0: special is just really strange and like all the different sort of vignettes and different songs and all that Um, and that one's from the 80s isn't it so yeah i haven't seen that one yeah i think so it's got to be decades because Mm -hmm. the california raisins at that time were so tied to that moment um it's not something that people come like hey man it's christmas time time to break out the california raisins <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> right
1: right so i don't know what else i have to say about that so what's so this is interesting we both know that we have a special from 1977 and i suspect it's the same one yeah, i'll be probably shocked is. if it's not at this point so uh so uh i just went so why don't you say what you watched and we'll see we'll see if we solve this mystery
0: it is Bing Crosby's Merry Old Christmas. Yes,
1: yes, yes.
0: Uh, I mean, it seems kind of like a no-brainer. I've never seen it before. Uh, I love David Bowie, and the Bowie-Bing Crosby duet has become pretty popular. In, in I don't know when it started becoming popular, but it is something that pops up every year, and everyone always talks about it. Well, that song was
1: um, pretty big. The special was 77. The single was released in 82. It was at number three in the UK charts. Yeah, Um, crazy. So uh, before we get into it, so I wasn't even born yet. Um, Mm -hmm. You were very little. No, I wasn't born yet. No, you're 78, right? Yeah. Um, So what was your, what, what was the first, do you remember the first time you were aware of this?
0: I don't, no. I mean, I don't remember like when, that song is just like, you hear it every year. And I don't remember the first time being aware of it yeah yeah so my connection to bowie as a child was labyrinth because i was too young for his music uh i probably have vague memories of seeing um the ashes to ashes music video on mtv when i was really little but probably having zero context for it only thinking that it was really weird everything Mm -hmm. scared me as a kid so it probably scared me um sure but i loved labyrinth Um, And then I probably came around to realizing, uh, oh, this guy is a serious musician. I don't remember when I really got heavily invested in Bowie. I think it was probably um, in my late teens, early 20s, where I got obsessed with his Berlin trilogy of records, which came out around this time. And that's um, um, Low, Heroes, and Lodger. And I was obsessed with those records because they were so... Forward-thinking and ahead of their time, and but still so uh, current. Um, and then I think I just started kind of filling in the blanks for a lot of Bowie at that point, whether it's really really old or kind of like, you know, some of his later stuff. And I don't remember sure. when I became aware of this duet.
1: Yeah, because it's it's pretty. I think you know, with full hindsight, it's pretty jarring to think that these two personalities would have overlapped at all just in terms of like the 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 spans of their career Mm -hmm. because Bing Crosby is so uh classically like early 20th century or you know like you know I don't know the second quarter 20th century you know 30s 40s 30s 40s yeah Uh, and then and then for I mean Bowie who uh is effectively um from outer space. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and especially during and the this time, like the, this is the weirdest Bowie ever got. And he was probably coked out of his mind when he was doing this.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it, he looks like the thin white Duke for sure. Yeah. So he's so strange. Um, uh,
0: uh, yeah. It, and well, like his, his, his eyes, which are, you know, it was a childhood accident where a friend punched him in the eye. So one of them is permanently dilated. He just looks from another planet.
1: Yeah. My, my, so the first time I, was aware of this was after um, Stephen Colbert in like 2008 or 2009
0: did a oh yeah a, a cheesy
1: variety show Christmas special. Um, but he did a duet with Willie Nelson where Willie Nelson was um, the little dealer boy who uh, did had no gifts for Jesus besides great weed. <laughs> um, but that duet they do is sort of in the style of um, the peace on earth little drummer boy duet that Bing Crosby and David Bowie do. Um, so they, people were sort of talking about that, but I didn't realize the extent to which this has been parodied. Um, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley did it verbatim as Bowie and Bing Crosby. And, uh, there's one that I'm going to send you a link to, uh, and maybe we can play a clip because I think you'll really appreciate it if I'm sending you a new one. Okay. Um, I don't know if you've seen this. So just pop it up and give it a quick listen. You're going to know where it's going right away. Peace on earth, can it be? Years from now, mayhaps we'll see. See the day we the Lord. A convert by way of what did we miss to the Venture Brothers? I thought you'd appreciate Doctor Girlfriend and the Monarch doing the entire segment. All right, so we we haven't even talked about what we're talking about. We're just talking about like the big reason that brought us to it. So Bing Crosby's Merry Old Christmas, um, it kind of it was kind of like the Judy Garland one. It was this sort of classic celebrity-driven holiday variety show? Uh, Bing Crosby gets notified that um, his distant British rel- relation has invited him over for the holidays, so him and his kids go to this uh, British estate to meet um, Sir Percival Crosby. Uh, <laughs> and uh, in in the process, uh, David Bowie pops by to sing mm-hmm. a Christmas song. Twiggy comes over for yeah. an extended bit about Charles Dickens, who apparently is alive and well and living in this mansion. <laughs> and And I tried to the, the whole twiggy thing is is weird because like they they kind of have this really meta discussion about about like you know authors sort of being the creators of these characters and mm-hmm. stuff um and they do this little uh, medley of, of playing characters from dickens stories and i couldn't find conclusive evidence of this but the the setting for that sequence looks exactly like the sets from uh, Scrooge, which was the Albert Finney adaptation of Christmas Carol. Even like some of the choreography looks like uh, one of the big dance numbers in that movie. So, I, I you know, it, it, I think it's separated by enough years that I can't be like sure that that was the reference point, but it seems like maybe it was. Um, it could have been. F- I know that this special was filmed at Elstree Studios. Maybe that's where they filmed Scrooge. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the David Bowie of it all is really the like what makes this more of an oddity than just uh, a simple bit of like nostalgic Christmas stuff. Cause there's this duet that they do. He, he didn't want to sing the little drummer boy cause he didn't think his voice was right for it. So they like, I think they kind of thought this up for him. Um, and then later, uh, Bing Crosby and Twiggy are getting, uh, nostalgic. No, not nostalgic. They're getting kind of wistful about, um, you know, articulating what's in their heart and Bing's like, yeah, even, you know, anybody can sort of express themselves. And then like, it's the weirdest segue into basically just a music
0: video for heroes. Yeah. I didn't know. (laughs) I didn't know that existed. I didn't know that existed in this context. So when I didn't either, when it popped up, I was like, I was so, I don't know. I was like, what, what is happening? Like, this is, this is an actual thing. Like they're promoting this song from this incredibly strange album. And it's probably like the most accessible song from the record, um, mm-hmm. on this Christmas special from this crooner from the forties. Like, right. I was just it's like, you
1: got David Bowie doing like the, the make out with yourself thing where his back yeah. camera and he has his hands wrapped around his it's neck. So
0: weird. And then he's like, like there are like close ups profiles of his face superimposed on other, either side of the screen, almost as like he's singing to himself with a version of him in the center as well, yeah. it's all very seventies. Uh, it's really cool. It it's like an altered version of the song. It's like they added like some flanger or phaser to it or something like that. You can hear well, more of that kind of different whoosh, versions of that song. Yeah, right? uh, and it's cut a bit. It's cut down because the song is is longer than that. Uh, but it was, yeah. it was cool nevertheless. I was like, this is wild. I can't believe this is this is in here.
1: Yeah, I think what's weird or not weird. I think what's oddly admirable. Um, is that it does kind of have its, has, has a a foot in two different eras. And it kind of, I mean, especially by letting Bowie be Bowie about it. Um, I mean, I think that's what's so, that's what's so surprising is, you know, going into this, I thought it was, oh, it's weird that David Bowie's doing a Christmas duet with Bing Crosby. But then that, that Bing Crosby let him just plug a song and have a music video. That's like. That's really strange and um e- e- yeah, unexpected. Uh Bing Crosby definitely is showing his years. I mean, he uh, this is actually released after he died. This is one of two posthumous specials that I think CBS aired that year. Elvis mm-hmm.
0: had also filmed one and died before they could release it. Yeah, he he died like 5 weeks after filming this. Um mm-hmm. and he he was on a golf course and I guess they finished golfing. He played 18 rounds. He's, and, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but I believe he said something to the extent of like, Oh, that was a great game. This is a good day. Let's go get a cola. Uh, and then they walked and they're close to the clubhouse or whatnot. And then he just had a heart attack and he kind of dropped down and, and that was it, which is really like so strange that kind of, um, that final moment kind of like we were talking about with the Judy Garland one,
1: there's a lot of self-deprecating here. He is um, frequently referred to as the poor relations from America. The poor man's Frank Sinatra.
0: Yeah, which is great because um, Sinatra has said repeatedly that his biggest influence was Bing Crosby. It's just he was, you know, Frank was just massive. He was the pop star, pop star of the day. So his, his um, popularity eclipsed Bing um quite a few years uh, prior to this um but there's also a moment where they bring in this actor who's sort of doing a parody of Bob Hope who was um sort of like Bing's um um partner uh, they they were, did a, yeah they were movie partners for a while yeah so oddly enough um Meg and I recently watched a Bing and Bob Hope movie um Road to Morocco uh, Meg and I have been to Morocco, mm-hmm. uh, and and Meg likes kind of older movies that are sort of travel based. Uh, so we were like, "Oh, this 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 sounds like fun," and it was, it was kind of fun. It was it was uh, not quite as wacky as the Marx Brothers, and not as sophisticated as Preston Sturges, but maybe somewhere in there. But it was kind of, mm-hmm. uh, from what I've read, parroting a lot of what was popular at the time. So, uh, and it didn't take itself seriously. It kind of broke the fourth wall a lot, uh, which was surprising for something, uh, from the forties. So it, it was charming. Um, mm-hmm. so I think we, we might end up watching a few other of their, their travel movies. Cause I guess they have like road to Bali and a, a bunch of other ones with the same cast, yeah. uh, um, with a loose premise of them just traveling to another place and to backtrack even, even further, Meg has always loved Bing Crosby's holiday record. Um, This is something she grew up with. Bing Crosby was really popular in her household. So that's what she introduced to me. Uh, And we, that's a record we put on every year. So it felt for me of like, Oh, I not only is, do I have the Bowie connection, but I have the Bing connection as well. Um, So I figured she would enjoy that aspect. So we, we watched both of these specials together.
1: Yeah, we. Sandra did watch the Bing Crosby one with me. Um, her <laughs> her contribution to the discussion was uh, so like like the Judy Garland one, a, a choir of children show up and gets invited into the house. Um, and Sandra's like, they invited the choir in and they aren't letting the kids sing? <laughs> Which, <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, they don't. They They, they eventually kind of do some backing vocals. But yeah, like... Like Oh, carolers are here. Come on in. Shut up. (laughs) It's Bing Crosby's show now.
0: I think the weirdest part, though, is the you had mentioned where Charles Dickens is there and they're talking to him. And then it goes into this music montage uh, and Twiggy is playing Tiny Tim. Uh, And there's this other actor that I'm not familiar with. Um, I think it was Ron Moody uh, and a British actor. And he plays um, Scrooge. And then they go through a tale of two cities, and I believe David Copperfield, uh, and they're they, yeah. both of these Twiggy and, and Ron Moody take on characters from these things. <laughs> it's so strange.
1: There's a lot of like really, kind of like wordplay banter that in 1977 feels like it. It feels creaky then, like when. When Twiggy's talking to Charles Dickens, she's like, "Oh yeah, I love your books, A Tale of One City." And Bing's like, "No, Two Cities." And she's like, oh, "I only read half of it."
0: Yeah. <laughs> There's a moment too with Bowie where he's just like, "Oh, I'm su- Bing is like, I'm surprised you're familiar with me." He's like, "Oh yeah, I love a lot of older singers like John Lennon and Harry Nielsen. And so you're just like, "Yeah, okay."
1: <laughs> where do you fall on White Christmas? That's a yeah, that's I, a family holiday staple.
0: I like White Christmas. I think it's pretty good. Yeah, I wouldn't. Imp- yeah, I, it's not like uh, a favorite, but you know, Meg and I have watched it. It's pretty good. Do you like it?
1: Yeah, I like it a lot. I always get bummed out when they sing about how they miss minstrel shows.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's a, there's uh, a couple of those moments. In there, they, Bing did another holiday movie, Holiday Inn, and I think which that was w- like full on
1: blackface. Right? Yeah,
0: yeah. So that one is, uh, and that one's not particularly good either. Um, White Christmas is is, is pretty good. Uh, were you familiar with Bing at all, other than uh, White Christmas?
1: Uh, I've never seen any of his other films or, or specials or anything. But, you know, I, I just knowing his music as kind of part of holiday traditions and stuff. Yeah. Certainly my, my grandparents really liked that kind of music, so it was on a lot during the holidays.
0: It's funny because, like I said, Meg really... Uh, likes Bing's Christmas record and, and she would always say like, oh, we were a Bing household. We don't listen to Sinatra. <laughs> I think, it, <laughs> I think it was like, and I think cause Bing is Irish and Sinatra is, is, is Italian. So I think it's one of those kind of, you know, <laughs> um, gotcha. Yeah. Uh,
1: I think, uh, uh um then the opposite was probably true for my family.
0: Yeah, man, fam- families are they're fucking weird, man. It. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's the thing when you watch these older things and and you got Judy and you've got Bing and they're incorporating their family and you sort of see it's not spelled out, but you sort of see some of those family dynamics that kind of exist there and I think that's that's kind of interesting, you know.
1: Right. And I mean especially like um I know one of Bing's kids has had a lot to say about what kind of a bastard (laughs) Bing Crosby actually was.
0: Yeah. And the other kids stand up for Bing and they say that, you know, oh, he, this other son is, is, um, is wrong. So like, we'll never know the truth, obviously.
1: Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was kind of in the back of my mind when it opens with him and his kids. And I was like, uh oh, which
0: one of them wrote the book? I don't think it's any of the ones in this in this special. Yeah, I
1: don't think so either.
0: But there is something strange to be said about like, hey, I'm a performer, and my my family is obviously going to perform as well. <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah, they definitely don't seem to have the chops that Dad does, but they—I don't think they're really pushed in that direction. Like their contributions musically are pretty light. Yeah,
0: it's and, pretty, and it's uh, and it's charming. It's kind of charming, like yeah. I, like with Joey and um and the Judy special, like. He, He's pretty off key and and he's mm-hmm. he's he's really young, so it's not like a big deal, but um it's kinda like we were wincing while we were listening to it, but at the same time it's like, Oh, you know, he's a little kid, this is cute. Although I can imagine mm-hmm. like maybe he got berated later on, like you were completely
1: off key. What is wrong with you? There is a medley at the end of this one as well where mm-hmm. So uh my notes here were Jingle Bell Rock has never been whiter <laughs> um, Yeah. <laughs> uh Carol of the Bells uh, is a Christmas uh, like a Christmas staple that has always made me uncomfortable. Okay, it's very intense. It is, you know, like yeah. it's got that like imperial march quality to it, which is unsettling and not jolly.
0: <laughs> but it, I think uh, I, going back to the California Raisins, I believe in that special, that's the best part of of the California Raisin special was the Carol of the Bells and their stop motion bells, but they're all like. Anthropomorphized, so they're all like mm-hmm. hitting themselves with mallets, and there's one like <laughs> stupid bell on the L, on the on the end of the line, and he's just kind of like looking around, be like, duh, duh, duh. and he keeps like missing his cue, so finally like one of the other bells has to hit him or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sorry, <laughs> that was always my
1: favorite. <laughs> now that you mention that, I don't, I maybe the California Raisins would have been a good one because I don't know that I've seen all of it. I've probably only seen clips here and there but
0: yeah i don't remember a lot of it that only comes to mind because uh you mentioned carol of the bells
1: and i think that brings us to the end of our our holiday spectacular
0: <laughs> so <do> we, <laughs> will you i know you don't you weren't crazy about um uh the year without a santa claus do you think you'll revisit the bing special or is it again another one of those things that feels more like a curiosity
1: uh, i think it's more of a curiosity uh i think going into it um you know, that, like I said, like, it felt like the premise and the whole, like, the whole sort of setup of that type of variety special seems kind of creaky. Uh, on the flip side, I mentioned a fondness for that, um, Very Murray Christmas, uh, the Bill Murray special from a couple years ago, which is essentially the same thing. I think it just, um, uh...
0: Intentionally you know, sad? Less, it's intentionally sad?
1: Y- yeah, there's a little less cheese to it, um... I think it's like the cheese and the camp, which is like, it's fine. But again, I like, I don't, I don't love Christmas music. So it's, it's always kind of uh, tough for me to get super excited about um, these kinds of things. I think uh, I'll certainly make sure that this Bowie and Bing Crosby duet makes its way into any kind of holiday playlists going forward.
0: It is. And I mean, it is really great. Just the kind of uh, the counter melodies that they're doing. Um, is is fantastic. And there is a few other arrangements in the back half that I was kind of impressed with, um, how they kind of overlap a lot of uh, different songs and, and, and counter melodies and whatnot. That I was like, oh, that's that's really a cool way to incorporate um, multiple songs and whatnot and co- yeah. combining songs and stuff. So I thought uh, on a music level, it, there's like this and in the Judy special, Like, there's a level of craft there that I, I kind of admired. I do like a lot of that kind of like old-fashioned razzmatazz putting on a show thing. Um, Part of that Mm -hmm. is my fondness for older movies, um, because nothing is quite like that, because there's like an added level of artifice to anything that's like that now, where it just feels so slick and soulless, where these do feel, uh, and maybe at the time people felt the same thing about these, but there is that kind of, like I said, that that weirdness in the margins that exists in these that I don't think could possibly exist now. I think they would cut those things to shit and get that stuff out of there. Mm. Um, where a lot of this stuff was sort of, you know, the, the camera doesn't cut very much. So they're really kind of um, locked down for, for most of the part. Um, so if a song is being performed, there's usually no cutting around the song. It's just, here's the camera, here's the performance. So they really couldn't, cut around weird inconsistencies or moments where there may be a bit of uncomfortableness. Uh, and I think that kind of makes these both fascinating in, in a number of sure. ways. Do you have any recommendations for anybody if they're uh, Bing Crosby or Rankin-Bass fans? Yeah,
1: I mean, I mentioned it a bunch already, but the Bill Murray special on Netflix, if you haven't seen it, I think is a, a really charming sort of update of this premise I mean, it is about putting on a show until it's not. um, A blizzard knocks out the variety, the holiday variety show he's supposed to be doing. So instead, he just drinks in a hotel bar and happens upon all these odd characters. Um, Yeah. And I think, I'm trying to think if there's any like animated holiday special along the Rankin Bass. No, (laughs) I'm going to leave it with that
0: one. (laughs) What about you? Yeah. I mean, if uh, I think, uh, another um, annual viewing for Meg and I is Meet Me in St. Louis, which is an early Judy Garland movie. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a perfect holiday movie in the sense that it's about a year in the life of this family. Um, so it kind of com- runs the gamut as far as you know summer and spring, fall, winter, etc. There's a Halloween segment of it, which is has to be seen to be believed because it just feels because it, it it's the movie that was made in the 40s but it takes place I believe in uh like around 1910 or so um so it has these holiday traditions that the movie does not go out of its way to explain so it just feels so strange uh and kind of alarming and uh it's really great with this child actress who is so great um just really weird uh but you know it has that uh, aforementioned performance of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas with Judy Garland. And once you see the context for it, it's, it's incredibly sad. Um, it's, it's a movie that I deeply love. I think it's one of the best movie musicals. It's directed by one of my favorites, Vincent Minnelli. Um, so I think it's great. Um, the ending doesn't stick the landing necessarily, but it's really only like a few minutes. So like the rest of it's just top notch. Um, great. And I do think that the Bing Crosby holiday record is is pretty charming if you like that kind of crooner stuff. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a it's a good entryway into to, to Christmas music that is sincere, uh, and again has that kind of old style um, pop singer uh, quality. Sure, too.
1: I will make a plug for the Hanson Christmas record because <laughs> it has begrudgingly <laughs> made its way into uh, my uh, my annual listening. Sandra is a a Big big fan of that album, so never like, heard in, it uh, earnestly, not like in an ironic way. Okay, um, you know, it kind of it kind of gets it, gets under your skin in in a way that uh, makes you come to admire it. <laughs> I guess <laughs> maybe I've got Stockholm syndrome for the <laughs> the Hanson brothers. That
0: could be <laughs> it in general. I mean, like I was always sort of anti Christmas music, but Meg loves it so much, and every year is sort of not a battle, but basically. Um, We have those moments where we're like, where she's like, now, now, can we listen to Christmas music now? Uh, so once that, you know, once the, the gate is lifted, it's just kind of, that's it till, uh, till Christmas time. Uh, but because she has a dance school and, and on typical years, they, they do dance performances around the holidays. Um, she starts playing a lot of Christmas music, um, in like september to prepare the kids for this big show at the end of the year and sometimes that does seep into um our at home listening (laughs) um did you know
1: um that (laughs) bad religion put out a christmas album (laughs) no no i did not (laughs) um i think like because they do like full-on like christmas music Mm -hmm. but i I think it was all i think the proceeds went to some like a progressive cause or something. Um, but uh, it's, it's really, uh, you know, I, I would not recommend listening to it often, but it's certainly worth listening to. once. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> um, Excellent. Cool. So what are we going to talk about next time?
0: Next time we're doing our year end um, 2020 um, commentary, I guess we're going to talk about yeah. older things that we discovered in twenty twenty. That we haven't talked about on the show, uh, and mm-hmm. we'll probably, you know, do a little recap of the year, as it were. Sure. The downs and the further down. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the the da- the 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 clawing
1: ups the, and the, the clawing ups. This <laughs> this precipitous falls.
0: Yeah. Uh, the sl- yeah. sliding down
1: in the mud. <laughs> yep, it's been a rough one, but uh, you know, I think. Um, Speaking only for personal circumstances, I feel like I'm on the other side of things. So yeah, yeah, we can, we'll we'll get into I it. I
0: think we're doing okay, uh, and we're excited to talk about the year uh, and talk about the show a bit, uh, and then we cut some cool things coming up in 2021. Yeah, have a
1: great holiday season, and I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to another episode of What Did We Miss? You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at What Did We Miss? And you can send us an email at WhatDidWeMissPod at gmail.com. And thanks as always to the What Cheer Writers Club in downtown Providence, Rhode Island. You can learn more about them at WhatCheerClub.org and you can follow them on Twitter and Instagram at WhatCheerClub.